episode five of the Keep It Real Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Catch His Vibes. With everyone worried about catching the virus, we would like to encourage you to catch his vibes and more importantly, share the love of Jesus with others. Check out the Catch His Vibes Facebook and Instagram pages and get your Catch His Vibes decal, t-shirt, or hat today. Hey y'all, welcome back to my Keep It Real Parenting Podcast. I want to give y'all a heads up before I start, because I'm not recording in my car slash studio today. I'm on the screened in porch at the farm, so you just might hear birds, cows, a dog, or even a tractor in the background. It's such a beautiful day. I just had to be outside enjoying this official start to summer. I can't believe we're already in episode five. We've survived another week of life in this pandemic, and hopefully you've had more opportunities to make precious new memories with your family that you might not have made if you were able to do all the activities you would have normally been doing this time of year. We have all had to hop off the activity treadmill and are enjoying a slower pace, which really can be a good thing. However, I have spoken to some parents this week who are about to pull their hair out as all the, quote, togetherness of a house full of people is wearing their patience thin. I really want to encourage everyone with God's word in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We need to remember that the enemy loves it when we are fearful, weak, hateful, and forget that God is in control. So maybe take a minute and write 2 Timothy 1.7 on a note card and tape it up where you can read it all day long and be reminded that all we have to do is exercise what God has already given us. He gives us a spirit of power to parent powerfully. He gives us his unconditional love so we can love others even when we don't feel like it. And he reminds us that he is in control, not us. We can trust him and know that he has a perfect plan for our lives. Independence has been the focus of the last two episodes, and it will be my focus today, as I share some real tips and ideas you can maybe use with your kids of all ages. We're going to talk about teaching your children and young adults to be independent with earning, saving, and spending money. I will also speak about continuing to help your kids take ownership and responsibility for their future. I will hit on some ways to get them to be more responsible with remembering things like their lunch, their assignments or projects that are due, their uniform for a sporting event, their book that's due at the school library, etc. I have a great story to tell you guys that really helped me and a lot of other parents see the importance of not bringing forgotten items to the kids at school or to their game or wherever. So stay tuned for that. I also thought about a fun little idea that I did with my boys to teach them to not come wake me up at like 4 or 5 in the morning and kept them playing independently in their bedroom until it was actually time to get the day started. I want to give a quick shout out to my sweet friend, co-worker and sister in Christ, Teresa Crenshaw. She has three adorable little ones. Hey, Zachary, Isabel, and Adeline. She and her husband, Drew, have been listening to the podcast and are using a lot of the ideas we are sharing here. Teresa also laughed and said she dreads listening to the upcoming episode because she has been so convicted and has had to step up her game as a mom. She also said that Drew gives her a hard time and a few I told you so's while they listen. Be nice, Drew, and remember, no one parents perfectly. I have another wonderful guest mom from Virginia on the podcast this week. 
She will share how she and her husband taught their two girls a solid work ethic and how to budget and spend their own money from a very, very young age. So you won't want to miss our conversation in just a few minutes. If you haven't listened to any of the previous podcasts, we have been talking about instilling pride in our children by breaking the word down letter by letter. Letter P was for having a plan. Letter R in the word pride was for respect. And the letter I has been all about instilling independence in your children from the very day you bring them home from the hospital until they leave the nest for adulthood. Independence is really the ultimate goal of parenting raising our children to have the skills and tools they will need to be successful in the real world. It's their future, not ours. Okay, so let's get this conversation started with a call to this week's guest mom, Belinda Farnham. I have known Belinda for about 10 years and even had the pleasure of teaching and coaching her two daughters and working alongside her at school as well. Belinda and I have something else in common besides our names being very similar. Our two youngest children have been dating since middle school. Her, Hannah, and my, Grady, are now seniors in college and are still going strong. So watching their relationship blossom over the years has been super fun for Belinda and me to experience together as moms. Bear with me as we have been having technical difficulties all afternoon. Like I said in past episodes, I've never done a podcast before, and I'm just a regular mom learning as I go, just like you. So I'll apologize in advance for any static or sound issues because there's just something weird going on with the recording today. So let's give this a shot one more time. Can you hear me? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. I finally got you on the podcast. We've had some technical difficulties. It must be the rain. Probably. Lots of rain, lots of rain. That's right. I feel like we live in Seattle. Yeah. (laughs) Well, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you on today, and I can't wait for you to share some of the things that have really worked with your two girls, who happen to be beautiful, college-educated, successful young adults. Yes, yeah. They are um, my oldest. Um, She is actually... Well, has officially graduated from Longwood, even though they didn't technically have a graduation. Um, she's a recreational therapist. And then my youngest is um, a rising senior at Virginia Tech. And she is um, planning on going to graduate school to be an occupational therapist. So we're pretty excited. Good job, Mama. I was... Um going to ask you to share a little bit about you and your husband, Jay. What do you guys do? Okay. Well, um, my husband and I, um, we've been together for 20 years. Um, we just had our 20th anniversary this year and, um, (laughs) and, um, my husband, he works for Virginia power. He's an operator there and has been with the company, um, for 20 years. And then um, I work for social services in Powhatan County. And then also um, I own my own spray tanning business. And then um, I also am a Mary Kay consultant. So, wow. Y'all are kind of busy. I think Jay does a few other things besides his normal job, too. 
Yes, he does. He and his brother, um, they have a real estate business where they um, buy and um, sell houses. They renovate and um, do some really gorgeous work. And then my husband, he also um, does yard work and just, you know, odds and ends too. So um, grass doesn't really grow under our feet here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's perfect because before we start our conversation, I just wanted to tell you that this week's episode is another week about independence. And specifically, I wanted to talk to you about how you instilled a work ethic in your young girls. And clearly, you and your husband have set a great example for them to work hard, diversify, do lots of things, follow your passions. And so, I mean, you guys, I'm telling you, I've watched them raise the girls. These girls have been working since they were like eight years old. I mean, they work every day. They're full-time college students. They don't use that as an excuse not to work. When they come home for Christmas or Thanksgiving or spring break, they're working at the grocery store. They're working at a retail store. They're babysitting, dog sitting, house sitting, running their grandmother's ice cream truck. I mean, you name it. Belinda and Jay's girls are working. So I just want to hear, like, what did you and Jay do to encourage or instill this type of work ethic in the girls? Was it out of necessity, like they needed to pay for some stuff? Or was it more your design to give them life skills they would need to survive independently or both? Well, I really think it's both. Um, We have two girls like we said, and you know, um, my girls like to shop. Yes, <laughs> of course. Like to shop. Yeah. Um, and I think from a young age, um, both Jay and I, we, we really wanted to them to just be able to understand that, you know, money doesn't go on trees. Money doesn't, um, we just don't have an endless supply. And so we used to do a couple little things here and there to kind of teach them the value of money. You know, it's just mom and dad just doesn't go in the backyard and pick some money. And then they have money. You know, they we taught them how you earn money. And one of the things I remember, um, we used to have chickens. Hannah would have been in third grade. And Hannah, my youngest, she's a um, animal lover, and so she just, anything to do with animals, she loves. So we had a bunch of chickens, and she decided she was going to sell eggs, and I'm going to tell you, that girl would sell some eggs, and she would sell to her teachers at school, um, other parents, she let everybody know she had fresh eggs, and um, she, it was her job to go and get the eggs and clean them up, you know, and that was just something that she was really proud of, too, um, that that was her work that she was doing and earning money for. That's awesome. And, yeah, and Kayla, too, I mean, that's my oldest, Kayla, and um, she also would just anything, clean houses, that child from an early age um, loved to clean. So she started cleaning houses and even before they could drive, then she started selling ice cream um, with my mother-in-law. And I mean, just, they, they just really um, like the fact that they had their own money. 
So that made that gave them confidence and it made them feel independent of you and Jay. And so did you guys have to coach them up on like how to manage their money? Like you guys need to save a little bit. You need to give a little bit back. You need to spend. Or did you have them when you went on vacation? Did they have to spend their own money for souvenirs? Did they have to, if they wanted, you know, a real expensive pair of jeans, did they pay for half and you pay... Like, what did that look like? Did they did they have to help with college? You know, well, what did that look like? Well, so when they were younger and, and they had started earning their own money, we would go on vacations. And, you know, especially like if you're going to the beach and you're walking into all of those surf shop stores and they have all of those cool stuff. Well, you know, kids, they just they want everything they see. And doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't really matter if they really want it. They just, they wanted to get something. And um, so before we would go on vacation, my husband and I, we would say, okay, so here's the deal. We are taking you guys on vacation. We're paying for the house. We're paying for meals. We're paying for the fun stuff we do. But if you want to get a souvenir, make sure you bring your own money and we'll take you out so you can pick something else out. Well, then all of a sudden, when they had to use their money, they were a little bit more choosy of what they wanted. They kind of thought about it. Um, Then all of a sudden, they just didn't really need anything either. So (laughs) it was a little different um, when they were using their own money. They kind of um, was like, oh, well, I don't necessarily need that glass dolphin, or I don't really need a bunch of seashells in the store. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah, but one other thing we used to do is, um, you know, before school would start, we would take them school shopping. Well, when they got to be about 12 or 13, you know, it was, well, you had to buy your clothes from Hollister or American Eagle. I mean, that you just had to do that. And so I would also try to, you know, reason with them and say, okay, we are going to look at that they don't really have any good sales. So you may only get one sweater for the school year. I mean, does that make sense? And they just, they really um, wanted to shop at those stores. So my husband and I one year decided how much money we were going to give them. And we said, it's your decision how you spend it. So figure out what you need for school. You know, if you need a new pair of tennis shoes or if you need a pair of jeans whatever, but this is how much money you have for school shopping. And then it just kind of made them think, okay, do I really want to spend this money and get one sweater? Or do I really need a pair of jeans when I've got three pair downstairs that are perfectly fine? So it really just kind of made them think about things and just, and from an early age, they knew the value of money and they, they, ended up being really good bargain shoppers. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, they really are are pretty thrifty. Well, I think that's great because you and Jay gave them, you know, boundaries and that were sensible, you know, you were willing to give them what they needed, not necessarily everything they wanted. And I think teaching kids the value of a dollar is so important because Ultimately, our goal as parents is to launch our kids out of our house, off our bank account, 
and have the life skills and the knowledge to be able to make it on their own. And so when they realize, you know, how long it takes to make a hundred dollars, you know, (laughs) because they earned it, they're not going to buy, you know, everything they see or whatever, but yeah, well that, I mean, that's awesome. And that's such good advice for all the parents out there listening, you know, don't be afraid to tell your kids no on vacation and make them bring their own money. And I know like they work on Christmas break, spring break, all that in college. Like, is that something that they just want to do? Or did you guys give them certain things they needed to pay for like books or tuition or how did you, you know, I think, I think because we started at such a young age, just kind of teaching them about money and we never really, we're pretty literal parents. I mean, we, we don't, we don't try to tell them everything, but you know, I mean, we didn't really try to hide stuff or try to make everything, you know, I mean, if, if, we were trying to save money for a certain reason. I mean, they knew it. And um, so we were pretty literal with them. And I think just starting them from an early age, understanding money, um, we didn't really have to do much encouraging um, with them as far as, as they got older. Kayla, my oldest, when she um, was a junior and senior, I kid you not, she got up every morning at six o'clock in the morning, worked at a daycare, went to school, and then she got back um, at the daycare center and worked to the evening. So this was in high school. This was in high school. And they just, um, on top of, you know, Kayla always babysat. Um, She also had a cleaning business on the side. They both have entrepreneurial spirits. I mean, they really, um, if they're in a pinch, you know, they're not afraid to get out there and just say, Hey, you know, I, I can, I can do some dog walking or I can, you know, I can clean houses. Um, they just kind of take the initiative and go. And I think that comes from just, you know, them doing that at a young age and just, you know, understanding that, you know, it's good. That's a good thing. Have your own money. You know, it's, um, you know, that's a, that's a good quality for them to understand money. I mean, because they're going to have to do it as adults. And so when they're young, you can start really um, teaching them things. And um, I think it's great too. Like, even if you have the money as parents to not necessarily have it available, like they obviously knew the value of a dollar. They watched their mom and dad work really hard. And even though they probably knew on vacation that you could buy them the glass dolphin, but you weren't going to. (laughs) And so I think that's great that you gave them those parameters. And I mean, I think your example, you and Jay gave them really set the tone and also, you know, there are other family members that have their own businesses and stuff, but, um, well, goodness, it was great talking to you tonight. Thank you so much. And I apologize for all the difficulties we had yeah. getting on here. Um, like I said, I'm literally sitting in my car doing this podcast <laughs> and I'm learning as I go. But I um, 
just wanted to say on a personal note, I've really enjoyed Jay and Belinda and watching them be so involved in their daughter's lives. I mean, you guys, they were at every one of their ball games or cheerleading or whatever it was. And Belinda even helped coach volleyball. And I just think you guys did an awesome job of laying a really strong family foundation for your girls. And you let them be their own unique individuals. But at the same time, you helped to mold and shape them into such fine Christian young women. And I just applaud you for that. Thank you so much. And it just, you know, I really appreciate you doing this because kids are not, um, they don't come with instructions. They don't, um, you, you know, when you're a first time parents, you don't know what's right or wrong. And each child is different. My um, Hannah is totally different from Kayla and, um, you know, they've just got different personalities. So it's, it's, um, it's it's definitely made me really proud to see the adults that they have turned into. And I just really appreciate you doing that because this is, um, you know, we're kind of, we've been there and it's just something that, you know, if you're new, if you've got young kids, I mean, it's okay. They're young. They can soak up all this information and it's just really cool for them to just learn this stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is really awesome that you're doing this. Well, thank you. And it's been a great experience. I'm learning more every day as I try to figure out how to navigate through this podcast. But yeah, I wish I would have had a resource like this to hear from real people, real things to try and not just hypothetical fluff, you know, like in theories, like I need to know what to do as a mom. And so that was my goal, and um, I'm sure I'll have you back on in future episodes, but you have a great evening and a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to piggyback on what Belinda said in regards to helping your young people with handling their money. First of all, I want to say I never paid my boys for chores around the house or yard, I was raised that chores are something you do because you help take care of the house you live in. Oh, and I also didn't pay them money for good grades either. Chores and good grades are an expectation I had because it was the right thing to do. And your children should want to make good grades because it's their future and their life. Anyway, so back to the managing money idea. So you can take three jars or cans or boxes or whatever works for you. Have your kids decorate or label each one with savings, giving, and spending. You can decide what percentage of their money should go to each jar, but get them started from the beginning, forming the habit of saving and giving a little bit too, not just spending. The other way you can help your young person budget their money is to use envelopes. This is really great for teenagers and college students and especially for parents too. Sit down and write out a budget with your young person. If you give them an allowance, help them to divide their cash money into different envelopes with labels on them. Some suggested categories might be personal care for like haircuts, nails, makeup, etc. Or entertainment for movies, bowling, concert tickets. Or you might have a vacation money envelope for their Christmas, spring break, or summer trip. Definitely one for clothing and for gas money. The idea is that they are spending cash instead of using a debit card. 
You and I both know when you have to pull cash out, you tend to spend less. You see it leaving your hand. Spending electronically is way easier. So this creates independence in your young person who has the choice to spend out of each envelope. However, when the cash is gone from any one envelope, then it's gone for that month or week or whatever time frame you set up. Your young person can choose to save and not spend out of one of the envelopes and then use that cash for another envelope category. For example, if they decided not to use any of their clothing or entertainment money one month, they could transfer all of the cash from those two envelopes into their spring break envelope to help beef it up a bit. Or if they spent too much money on gas and needed more gas money, they would have to sacrifice in another area to borrow cash from their entertainment or clothing envelope. It's a super great way for them to see in a very concrete way what they are spending money on, how much they are spending, and if they are overspending in any category. This will also help eliminate frivolous spending on things they don't really need or want. Now let's shift gears a little bit to helping our young people be more independent of us by remembering to pack and grab their lunch, not leave their homework or project at home, remembering their PE clothes or uniform for the big game or dance practice. Inevitably, as a coach for many, many years, I watched parent after parent run their little athlete their shoes or the correct uniform or some money for food when we had an away game on the road. Guess what? It was usually the same students, the same parents, and the same athletes that would always be forgetting something. In my experience, this was largely the fault of the parent. In my classroom, I didn't allow assignments or projects to be turned in after the class period on the day it was due. If I were to allow my students to give it to me via email by midnight, guess what they would do? Wait until that night to do the assignment and wait until the very last minute to email it to me. It's just like counting to make your child do something you have asked them to do. If you count to 10, they will wait till nine and a half to obey you. If you typically count to three, they will wait till two and three quarters to actually do what you asked them to do in the first place. That's why I believe you should never count. You ask one time, if they don't do it, there's an immediate consequence. But that's a whole nother episode, and I promise I will go deeper into the obedience topic in future episodes because it's really a matter of safety for your young people. It's also God's directions in Ephesians 6.1, like we talked about in episode 1. So how do we as parents get our little forgetful people to start remembering their own things and their own responsibilities? It all begins with you, Mom and Dad. We as parents have to stop enabling them and rescuing them and let them feel their consequence. I want to tell you a story that really hit home with me and with so many other people I've shared it with over the years. I would tell the same true story every year to my students and players, and it really impacted them as well. So one day, I was watching a famous talk show. I saw a very famous professional golfer and his father on the stage, so I turned up the volume on the TV. I listened as the dad told a story about teaching his son responsibility. I will tell it the best I can from my memory. So one day there was a young 14-year-old golfer who was nationally ranked on the junior circuit. He was so good that he had qualified to be in a national tournament and play up in the older age level with some of the best teenage golfers in the country who happened to also be a few years older than him. 
This tournament was a big deal for his career and quite expensive for mom and dad in entry fees and also the three-hour travel time to a neighboring state to play in the tournament. And of course, you have your hotel fees, eating out, all of that. So anyway, the father asked the young son to go put his clubs in the trunk of the car because they needed to leave soon. The son said he'd already put them in the trunk the night before. As the father carried their luggage and things out to the car and loaded them, he saw that his son's clubs were not in the trunk, but were sitting in the corner of the garage. So instead of grabbing them and loading them for his son, he asked his son one more time, Are you sure your clubs are in the trunk, son? The young golfer said, Yep, and he plopped down in the passenger seat of the car. His dad said one more time, Do you have everything you need for the tournament, son? Are you sure? Yes, dad. I'm just a little nervous, but I'm ready to go. So the father backed out of the garage, drove the three hours to the tournament, pulled up in the country club parking lot, and let the young golfer out to go sign in for his tournament. Then the father let his young son open the trunk to get his clubs so he could go warm up. Where are my clubs, Dad? The father answered, in the garage, son, where you left them. So he made his son go back and tell them that he would have to drop out of the tournament because he didn't have his equipment. They got back in the car and drove the three hours back home. I am sure the father had some valuable quiet time to explain why he allowed his son to make his own pretty big mistake and to own it. His father knew that if he kept reminding him and doing things for him with no consequence, it would turn him into an irresponsible, dependent young man and not give him the skills he would need one day. That young golfer missed earning national points for his ranking. He missed playing in a huge tournament with scouts watching. He was sad he wasn't going to play the game he loved, and he was embarrassed having to back out of the tournament because he had forgotten his golf clubs. That father and son can laugh about it now, but it was one of the hardest things that father ever had to do. However, that young boy grew up to be one of the greatest professional golfers in the entire world. The son finishes up his father's story with, I never forgot a single pair of socks or any other piece of equipment ever again, even into adulthood. Then he turned and said, thanks, Dad. I really am sure that was way more tough for the father to stick to his guns and watch his son suffer and lose all that money as well to teach him a life lesson of being independent and responsible. But it sure paid off in the long run for his son. I had to watch the I forgot it lesson be learned year after year in my classroom. The student would ask me to go to the office to call his or her mom to come bring their report or their homework or lunch or PE clothes or whatever. My answer was no. It's not mom's responsibility, it's yours, and you must suffer the consequence of the zero, or being hungry, or getting a no participation grade in PE. Like I said before, the habitual I-forgotters were allowed to keep repeating the same mistake over and over again, and the parents kept bailing them out, preventing their child from feeling a consequence to make them stop forgetting things. I'll give you a story from my own home. My middle son, Kevin, became a part of our family at age 15. He came all the way from Benin, Africa, all by himself, and he couldn't even speak English. French was his first language. Talk about an independent young kid. He was a very good basketball player and went to college on a full four-year scholarship. Well, 
Just like any teenage boy, he would forget things occasionally. When he was about 16, he called me because he had forgotten his basketball shorts and the summer basketball tournament he was in was about to start. He wanted me to run them up there to him, and I told him no. I was in the middle of something and would be up there to watch him play in a little while. But mom, I cannot play without my shorts and my team needs me. I told him he would have to figure it out. So when I got there to watch him play, he was wearing some khaki baggy cargo shorts. You know, the ones with all the pockets down the sides. He looked ridiculous, but he had to manage and borrow some from someone in the crowd and would have to look silly if he wanted to play. Could I have jumped in the car and driven 10 minutes to the gym and brought him shorts? Absolutely. But I treated Kevin like I did my other two sons and the kids I taught and coached. No excuses. And it's not mom's responsibility to get your uniform together. In fact, I started having my sons from very young ages pack whatever bag they needed for a trip or a sleepover or a field trip or a sporting event the night before. Then I would have them go through a mental checklist and actually lay their eyes on the items in the bag before we left the house the next morning. You would be surprised how many times the next morning they thought they had packed their shoes or jersey or field trip money or whatever, only to dig through the bag during the double check time to find they weren't in there. They would look around and see where they had laid them out on the desk or dresser, but had never actually put them in the bag. This is a practice you could have your very young kids, teens, and even college kids do every night for the next day's activities. Having a plan, being organized, doing things ahead of time, and being responsible for your own things equals success. Quickly, before I wrap up, guys, I want to share one more easy and really great trick for you young parents to use to keep your little ones playing independently in their rooms until it's a decent hour to actually get up. My son Jack kept waking up at like 4, 5, and 6 in the morning. I had to do something to stop him from coming and waking me up as well. I got a cheap digital alarm clock at a thrift store. I took masking tape and put it over the minutes portion of the clock so you could only read the numbers that indicated the hour. Jack was only about 3 years old, but he knew what the numbers 1 through 10 looked like. So I went over with him, what does a 7 look like? And I think I even wrote it down on a piece of paper and taped it to the bedside table right by the clock. I explained to him that if he woke up and didn't see a seven, then he could play super quietly in his room until he did see a seven, and then he could come find mommy. I then made a little game out of it, and I had him lay back in his bed and pretend to be asleep. He loved it. He was giggling and fake snoring super loud. I set the clock to read 5 a.m., then I left the room. I peeked in on him a few minutes later, and he was laying on the floor, driving his Hot Wheels on his play carpet. I knelt down and held my hand up and high-fived him and hugged him and made a huge deal about how big of a boy he was and how obedient and smart to know that a five was not a seven. I praised him for doing exactly what I asked of him and told him that God was smiling down on him because he was obeying his parent. Jack, you guys, was super strong-willed. And most days, we both ended up crying at least once. He was exhausting. So anytime he did obey, I made a huge deal about it. By this point in his life, I had already made him memorize Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents. 
I had been anxiously awaiting and praying for a miraculous biblical transformation of my young son, but it wasn't happening. Boy, was he difficult. So I can relate to all you parents of a strong-willed kid. Hang in there and don't break their spirit, just their disobedient will. Channel that strength they have in the right direction, and it will take them far in life. Just so you know, Jack went to Virginia Military Institute, served in the Army overseas, and is now in pilot training in the Air Force. He is still really ornery and silly, though. Remember, if you do the clock idea, you must have a consequence if your rule is not followed. Tell your child what the consequence is, and also make up a fun reward if they do it right. If they mess up the first day you try it, just quietly whisper and remind them about your new little game and put them back in their room and get them down a favorite toy maybe, hug them, tell them to play independently and that you are going back to bed or to do your quiet time or whatever you were doing when they interrupted you. If they come out again, then you must follow through on your word with a consequence. You get the idea. It's really all about what you do, mom and dad. Train them up. As I close this episode, I want to give a special heartfelt congratulations to my middle son, Kevin, who fulfilled his goal and dream of getting a college degree in America. Oh, and by the way, he also had another goal of making the dean's list this semester, which he did. My heart breaks extra bad for Kevin, though, not being able to walk across that stage because of COVID-19. He has been chasing this dream his whole life. He left his home country, had to learn English, had to live halfway around the world from all he had ever known, had to overcome injuries and surgeries, and really beat all odds of making it. I will be telling more of his story in Episode 6 as we focus on the letter D in pride, determination. I will be having a mock graduation for Kevin next Sunday in our front yard. My son Grady will be the commencement speaker, and we will have Jack watching virtually on Zoom from Texas. I'm going to pipe in the graduation theme song music on my speaker, and Kevin will walk down our sidewalk in his cap and gown, proudly smiling as he wears his beautiful Ben and Africa colored sash around his neck. I will ball my eyes out and present him with his diploma. And then this mama will make him take a thousand pictures before he gets to eat the Liberian meal we will have just for him. Have a wonderful week, and I can't wait to get together with you again on episode six, where we will talk about instilling determination in your children. If you want to share your ideas or just chat, email me at melindabzachary at gmail.com. That's M-A-L-I-N-D-A-B. Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And remember, do not be afraid. Claim the power, love, and strong mind God promises us in 2 Timothy 1.7. You got this, mom and dad. You won't parent perfectly, but you can parent in a very powerful way. See y'all.